Hi everyone, and welcome to Funky Feminist the Podcast. My name is Landon Funk, and I'm the Funky Feminist. And with me today, I have my good friend Emily. Emily, hi! Hi! Welcome! Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. So, Emily, can you tell everybody kind of just like what you do? And Yeah, absolutely. So, I am a program specialist with the Tennessee Coalition to End Domestic and Sexual Violence. Uh, My main focus is sexual assault prevention, primary prevention on college campuses, but also within the community. Um, So kind of what that looks like is doing trainings, um, mostly on consent and bystander intervention. Um, I'm also dabbling in the Safe Bar program. I'm trying to think what else I do. I go around to um, sexual assault centers. Mm -hmm. I have 11 sub-grantees, so we give them a portion of our grant. And so I have to do site visits, make sure they're getting all the support they need from us as a coalition. Cool. I want to hear more about, you know, that prevention piece that you Mm -hmm. were talking about. So that's kind of how I know you is I've gone to a sexual assault training that I'm pretty sure I saw you at. Maybe you just moved here or something. This is like, yeah, like July. Uh, No, this is like May-ish. Probably wasn't there. Oh, it probably wasn't you I did not move here until... The end of July. Mm. Okay, so then it was definitely not you. It was yeah. like, like, Sh- like Shauna, Shauna was there, and then somebody That's else was big. there who had who was white and had brown hair, and so I thought maybe it was I'm you. I'm trying to think who has. <laughs> I just now got blonde, brown hair. I had blonde oh, hair. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know who was. I don't know who would be with me. Clearly, they didn't have that big of an impression. <laughs> Because I thought they were you. And yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, but Shauna probably was. Yeah. Oh, and there was an African-American queer woman who also was leading it. Morgan? Yes. Yes. She's dope. She's amazing. Yeah. Love her. Love. Yes. Yeah, she yes. was an icon. She's a, yeah, she's incredible. She does really good. Which training were you at? It was like, like, I worked with the Office of Family Safety at that time. Okay. So was it like a sexual assault advocacy? Maybe. Training? Because it, it, it was kind of like a sexual assault, like, one Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was in this, in that those like conference rooms. It starts like the history of the movement. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So sexual assault advocacy institute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do those regionally around the state. Oh. And they are for people that have been in the field under two years usually. Oh. Anyone can really come to them across the state, but we usually try to connect with people that have just gotten into sexual assault prevention within the past two years. That's really cool. So we offer them in Memphis. Knoxville and here in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that you know leads me to understand a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. So yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I actually met you at a prevention training. Yes. Well, there's like a se- like a series. Yeah. Of prevention type things. Yes. Right. Yeah. I don't even know what like I guess training is the right training for them. Yes. So at least um, for the second part. Right, exactly. Um, but, you know, and I even talked, I've talked earlier on the podcast about how um, the first training about, you know, alcohol and the nexus on college campuses and how that, you know, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I keep going back to those numbers. Yes. It's so crazy. shocking, yes. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we Anytime totally I see numbers, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah? Just because I think, like, I know sexual assault is as bad as it is Mm -hmm. but every time I see the numbers I'm still just like why yeah why is it like this why I don't get it I don't get it either okay so prevention yes (laughs) so um what does that look like what like what do you do um, on a day-to-day basis a and then b uh what do you do to get the community buy-in needed for the prevention 
Um, so since I am rather new in this position, a lot of what I've been spending my time doing is networking. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of what that looks like is just trying to reach out to other community organizations across the state. I also am the facilitator for the Sexual Assault Prevention Committee. Mm -hmm. So we are working on building that up as well. Um, reaching out to universities, taking phone calls. Sometimes we get phone calls for referrals or people requesting some kind of training. Um, so usually if we're doing a training on a college campus, we're talking about consent and we're talking about bystander intervention, mm -hmm. which can get very interesting. A lot of times it's with college athletes. Yeah. And that whole dynamic. That timeline training that you have to do. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. So when we go in and talk about consent, mm -hmm. it gets very interesting because yeah. we'll be having a discussion and someone's like, oh, well, if they don't fight me off, that means they want it. And I'm like, mm, mm. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> That's not what that means. So then we have to go into the whole neurobiology of trauma. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? This fight, is how, fight, or freeze. This is how our body reacts. Um, so it's always interesting to the different groups of people that we see and the responses that we get. Mm -hmm. When you are in that college campus setting, what you know? What do you respond to the to? Like, I, I, I guess, are you able to go more in depth? and challenge that person's views, or do you just kind of have to be like, yeah? We usually try to get the kind of, I guess, the group to challenge that thought. Um, we'll get, we'll kind of open it up and we'll say, hey, does anyone else have a thought, have an opinion? How do you feel about what was just said? Um, to really try to get other people in the room to challenge it. Uh, we try not to. Um, just because we don't want people to turn their ears off. We don't want people to quit listening to what we have to say. Right. Um, so a lot of that looks like throwing it back to the audience and hoping that someone else will feel comfortable enough to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's always a hard topic. And people ask me that all the time. Is, And then also you get this, well, you know, I have to be here for this training and it fucking sucks and I don't right. want to be here. Right. So like... I, you know, you got to come at it from like a non-shaming yes. standpoint already. Yes. yes. With the college campuses, um, do you talk to administrators as well or just students? Usually, in my experience, we've done just students, mm -hmm. but I know that in the past that they've also done faculty and staff. Yeah. Um, I would definitely like to reach more into re reaching out to administration, mm -hmm. not just faculty and staff, but also the people that are higher up because I think we need their buy-in in order for anything to actually change on a college campus. That's exactly the soundbite that I wanted. <laughs> that we need admin buy-in. Yeah, um, we do. Because we do. Uh, we can't create a change on the culture if the administration isn't on board with the change. Right. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen, like, The Hunting Ground and, like, every other, mm -hmm. Aubrey and Daisy, like, every possible rape documentary. Well, I'm sure there's hundreds of them. But, you, right. you know, the, the mainstream ones. Right. And one of the things that they always bring up is, you know, a student comes forward, says she's been, I'm going to use she, her, and her pronouns because, you know, 19 out of 10, it's Yeah, a, we know the majority of victims are, are women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or yeah, yeah identifies women, so. Yeah. And that the perpetrators are usually male. Not saying that this goes, you know. Right, absolutely. But um, that when a student reports that she's been sexually assaulted, that... You know, d even if it goes through a whole trial, like a actual trial, not like mm -hmm. a school disciplinary trial, yeah. but like whatever, 
it still ends up being just like a slap on the wrist for the Absolutely. for the student. And so it's institute it's like literally institutionalized. Yeah. So I guess what do you like when you go to these trainings or maybe it's something that you teach or whatever, but how do you break through that institution? I think really talking about holding each other accountable mm-hmm. when we're at least when we're working with students. Um, creating a culture that you want to feel safe in uh, and that you want your friends to feel safe in a lot especially right now with the me too movement we get a lot of people that are like oh well we can't do anything we're going to be accused of sexual assault or someone's going to lie and um, I think just the hard part about that is is like it's so in our faces right now and people don't know how to react to it Mm -hmm. people don't understand what the actual message is is that sexual assault is happening to a lot of people and it's not just women it's happening to men too they're just not reporting as Mm -hmm. much right um so i think really just trying to reach them about wanting to create a safe community of their own and the only way we can do that is if they're bought into right um knowing about consent but also knowing how to be a good bystander right that's hard too, and this is the thing that came up in the first training that we were at together, where it's like you don't know how to have a healthy relationship, and I've talked about this about a hundred times because we we don't know how to have healthy relationships. We do know we how do to have not. sex, exactly, and we don't understand what consent is because we don't understand a healthy relationship. Right. Yeah. So you're getting all these kids who are just coming out of high school, who've had the most garbage sexual education. Or none. Right, or none at all. Or abstinence. Right, which that's is... That's effective. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's what I had. That, that's almost what I had. Um, I think a little bit I had um, to watch a video of a woman giving birth. Oh my God, you're like the 12th person I've had on this podcast who has said, who has said that. And... I, ha- I had not been, even heard of this until I started doing these yes, recording sessions. Yes, it was sessions. awful, and it was probably like 20 years old. And it was, like, I was just like, but my problem with that is, like, it was so directed at the women in the class. Hmm. Because what what good is it showing yeah. a woman giving birth? A male isn't affected by that. Right, right. Like, they're not going to give birth. They, they, <laughs> right. they, they, they don't care. Yeah, um, that this woman's going through immense yeah. pain. Like, yeah. They don't have to deal with it. Uh, so I always find it interesting that we went from talking about not having sex to STDs to don't get pregnant because right. this is what birth is like. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think I, I think the I think you know in our first episode, so episode one, not episode mm-hmm. zero, I to that one. Oh mm-hmm. yes, yeah. okay. So she was talking about how, uh, or maybe it was I don't know. Anyways, there in one of the most in the in the most recent ones, yeah, like one through three, somebody says, yeah, and like the boys wanted to watch that video because they heard, oh, like there's gonna be a vagina, a vagina. and it was not an attractive vagina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't what... know what vagina is attractive, but like it wasn't like something that right because a baby's coming out of it. Right. Like, did did you ever watch Friends? No. Okay, so and I find it a little bit problematic now. So I don't know if you would actually like it. Especially from a social work background, because the the older I get and the deeper in this work that I get, I'm al- I'm also like, oh god, really? this is horribly yeah, misogynistic. I just never got into Friends. I have yeah. a lot of friends that watch Friends. You have a lot of friends that watch Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they uh, but they like the the friends, you know, the six the six people find accidentally find a Phoebe Lisa Kudrow's character's like birthing video of okay. triplets, oh, and they're like, 
horrified and mesmerized and as soon as they put it in they're just they thought it was a porn video or something and it was just giving birth and they're horrified right and I'm like okay so these you know supposedly 20 somethings right are watching this and are horrified like how bad is it for like an eighth grader to sit there and watch I think I was 14 I was a freshman yeah and I had to watch that Ugh. so ninth grade not Ugh. fun it wasn't enjoyable Ugh. Yeah. yeah no that just sounds and it, it didn't help I had no so many there were so many people in my high school that got pregnant in mm-hmm. high school so I'm like this education you're giving us is not beneficial yeah you're doing nothing for anyone no I know and so um there was a, a woman who was at our trainings mm-hmm. and she teaches about teen pregnancy okay. and all that kind of stuff through the Tennessee Department of Health okay and I was so confused as to how she could get into the schools. Right. Because we are an abstinence state. You know, that good old gateway. <laughs> yeah, that good old gateway law. <laughs> but I don't, and maybe you have a little bit more insight because I know you guys work closely with the Department of Health. I, but... I'm not sure how she, I know that there are instances that it can be approved mm-hmm. if it's like a certain curriculum. And a teacher is like helping give it. I don't know how all of those works because we don't get into the high schools very often. Mm. Um, just because ours is mostly directed at college students. I would like to get into high schools because I think it's also necessary for them to understand about consent. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that I'm going to be working on in April is I'm going to do a webinar on how to teach youth about consent. Amazing. We need that so badly. And not just sex. Right, Just consent in everyday life. <laughs> like, consent, it's as simple as tea. Right, right, right. It is. I yeah. saw that video, but yeah. I'm like, it really is. It truly, truly is. And that that's the, that's the hard thing too is, you know, you've got this horrible gateway law, and you can't do anything about it. Right. And, I mean, forget even high school kids. We need to start at, well, preferably. Oh. As soon as they like, emerge from the womb. A five-year-old like, can learn about consent. But, like, we see these things in middle schools. I mean, we, in my day job, I mean, we have a couple kids that are 13 years old and have a baby coming. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, this poor person probably doesn't even know yeah. that what they did was have sex. Right. They probably know that it was called that, but didn't understand anything about it. Right, Absolutely. Anyways, it makes me angry. Yeah. I, I, I had that experience at an internship that I was at mm-hmm. where there were so many young girls, 12 to 15, mm. that were pregnant. And I was just like, how do we not see that we're failing right. children um, right. by not giving them adequate education on healthy relationships? Right. And you even, you know, not to throw anyone under the bus before I throw a, a demographic under the bus, but... You know, in certain pockets, especially in the South, pregnancy is very protected by religion. Mm-hmm. And I'm so for people practicing whatever they want to practice. But when a 12-year-old gets pregnant and you say, well, the Virgin Mary was 12. Right. And she had Jesus. And so, you know, she's going to be able to get through it just like she did. Right. And I'm like, but that, right. that's not a reason you know, to be okay. Right. It's not a, because this is a 12 year old girl well, and who my, is still a child. And I always think like, do you believe she's the Virgin Mary? Right. 
No, you don't. You don't <laughs> think that anyone that's been pregnant is a virgin. Right. You don't think that. You don't. You 100%. No one is like, oh, maybe they're a virgin. Like, Mary, that's not their thought process. No. No. And, like, and, you know, I have my own theories about whether or not the Virgin Mary was even a virgin herself. I agree. Uh there with you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I just need science. I'm, I'm such to... a science. I, yeah. I'm a science person, so I'm like, mm. <laughs> Right. I don't know about this. Yeah. No, that's how I feel. So, yeah. anyways, I, you know, I think that we have to teach consent. And Absolutely. We, and the fact that we're not, and, and it's also like, a, like an international problem. Like, on Christmas Eve, we had an episode air about m- one of my writers who I've now got a relationship with mm-hmm. uh, she is from South Africa Cape okay. Town South Africa Ooh. mad and cool she's also 18 years old and an incredibly gifted writer and didn't even know that she like really could write until yeah. I was like hey do you, do you just want to like try and write something for us and then she did and it was like immaculate and I was like man some people just have the gift yeah how did you link up with her she just, just through funky yeah, she just yeah. sent me, like, a message on Instagram and said, hey, I love Funky Feminist. And then I said, hey, do you want to write for us? And then she was like, That's okay, so maybe. incredible. Yeah. That's incredible that you're reaching people. It's so cool, That's right? That's so cool. And so, but she was talking about how even in, you know, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, she's, like, super liberal and, you right. know, sex should be taught, consent should be taught, people should not be shamed for all these things that they go through, blah, blah, blah. And she said that she had a teacher, like, kick her out of class because she pushed back on abstinence only curriculum well good for her good for her right you know she just had to keep coming back to the same same thing and she just had to keep pushing on this teacher and it was i think that teacher doesn't work there anymore but it's right so well you know you you made some change right (laughs) but it it's just sad it's just sad that you you talked about how that birthing video is definitely geared at women right. and young girls according to her you know her sex education was geared at this could be preventable and you are the people that could prevent it right which puts all of the victim blaming all of the everything which i think i think we kind of do that to women in a variety of ways whether mm-hmm. it's with a dress code yes usually directed at women mm-hmm um, how you're supposed to protect yourself, directed at women. Um, sex education, usually directed at women. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a lot of it is like, like if if you're going to have sex, make sure he wears a condom. Right. You make sure he right. wears Right, you condom. make sure he yeah. wears it. Because he can't be responsible for right. making sure he boys wears it. Boys will be boys. Right? I hate that. Gross. <laughs> I, this one, I have a um, few people from back home that say boys will be boys and I'm like stop it gross it's disgusting it's literally used as an excuse for people to do literally whatever they want to do yes yes there's no other way that phrase is used it's not like a boy stomps around in some mud and somebody goes oh you know boys will be boys right it's It's like he does something that he's not supposed to be doing oh well you know boys will be boys it's fine like no I want to kill you (laughs) I don't condone violence, but as I as I think about the conversations I've had, right? Ugh, ugh. So I think a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on women to pick up the slack mm-hmm. and prevent the bad things that can right. happen to us. And that's you know, um, and I'm, I want to hear you talk a little bit more about this. But when, as somebody who is a survivor, 
the first thing that goes through your brain is I could have prevented this. I am horrible. I'm the worst. I like self shame, right? Absolutely. Because that's what we've been taught forever. Yeah. Abs- yes. I think that was one of the first things for me was I was like, well, I shouldn't have drank or maybe I shouldn't have been friends with him. Um, maybe I have terrible judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I shouldn't have gone out where I went. I should have stayed with whoever. Right. Um, I think absolutely. But it, I think it's because as a society, we're taught that it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Boys will be boys. It's our fault. Right. And we're supposed to hold that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. No. And I actually really like what you said, because I'll even go down these, these, you know, middle, middle roads for lack of a better term, like where I'll even say, you know, that morning I had a bagel instead of some Cheerios. I had Cheerios. Would my day have been different? It's the most bizarre thing. Right. We think like could have made it different. Right. And we're also like, like if I would have rode with someone else, right. Got another group going. Like, why didn't I go with them? Right. Like, that would have stopped it. No, right. what, no, he still would have found me. We were friends. Like, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, no, I, I do that all the time. And even still, I think I still place some blame on myself because I tried to report to an academic advisor. Mm. And I was told, one, he played football. Mm. Uh, so no one would probably believe me. And two, I didn't have any evidence, which I didn't because I didn't. Well, I had a little bit. I had a few text apologies. Yeah. But I, I also had text apologies. I didn't have a rape kit done. Right. Because I didn't know about that. Right. I didn't go see. I went like three months later mm-hmm. because I had a class with them. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I still think about to this day is the fact that he's not in jail. Right. So if he's hurting other women, is it my fault? Right. No, it's not my fault. I still think that. Um, so that's one of the things I have to like constantly remind myself, like his behavior isn't my fault. Right. The... uh my uh, second sexual abuser. Well, I, you know, there's like there's so many things that are considered sexual assault. Right. But my, I guess my second rapist. Right. He, after I wrote my article where Funky Feminist was birthed okay. out of that response. Yeah. Um, I got I had like enough clues in there of like who it was because mm-hmm. I didn't name name them explicitly, and he uh uh. Well, A, I, you know, I was not friends with him on Facebook anymore, but uh, there is a a handful, like four to five women that said, I know exactly who this is, and he also did the exact same thing to me. And I was like, wow. And then then I felt bad because I thought, well, maybe I I should have done something about it, but, you know, you can't can't spend that time because that's a dark hole. Well, and at the end of the day... You're not responsible for his actions. Right. You're not. Right. It's just like, it's your choice on whether or not you proceed to report it and how you want that to look. So for me, it's just like, it's not like his body is his responsibility. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe he should make better choices. Dude, he definitely should. So we have like at Princeton, we've got this thing called reunions, which is a, is like reunions for okay. normal people. But like regardless of what year it is like everybody goes back okay. right when i lived in la that plane ticket cost way too much money so right. i was not about to do that but like i went back this spring i was also asked to be on a panel and so that kind of made it a little bit more of incentive right but 
literally the third person that I saw was was my second rapist and I was fucked for like the rest of the right and I don't doubt it yeah and he and I were in like the same eating club which is like a fraternity or sorority right co-ed and um so I couldn't really even go to my like where all my friends were because he was also there right and it and it made me so anxious and like I you know I texted my current partner about it we facetimed and I was just like I was so ready to go home right and I loved Princeton I loved everything about it how long did you go to Princeton oh just for four years okay yeah and it was just like like I wanted this trip to be so fun right and this person just you know no I didn't talk to him no he didn't approach me but just like presence yeah yeah absolutely I can yeah yeah it was it was weird absolutely I feel like that, I feel like, um, I guess the first time I saw my rapist mm-hmm. on campus was the January, it happened in November yeah. of 2010, and okay. I saw him in January of 2011, Okay, October, I'm totally screwing dates up. It's fine. But I saw him like three months later in class. It's also been like eight years. So like it has been, been <laughs> such a long time, but saw him in class. Mm-hmm. He was sitting up in the far corner, moves to sit behind me. I sat in the very front row in the corner of class because I was like, well, I need to get the hell out of here as soon as this class is over. And he comes and sits behind me. And he was like, where have you been? And I just got up and left class. And I went straight to my academic advisor. Mm -hmm. And that fucked up like the rest of the week for me. Of course it did. Because I was like... Holy shit, he just wants to act like right. nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Right. Um, so like that was difficult because I was just like, a lot happened. So I went and told my academic advisor. She didn't believe me. Of course. And wouldn't change me class because the other class, was, the other section was full. So my option was to drop the class and not be able to proceed mm-hmm. next semester with the classes that I needed. Or I could just sit in class with him. And I, so I didn't go to class, stayed in the class, didn't go to class. Did you pass the class? Did not pass the class. Yeah, that feels right. <laughs> Did not. I didn't go enough. I went, I missed one exam mm-hmm. and I made it to the other ones and I did fine on them, but I didn't turn anything else in. Yeah. Ultimately ended up transferring because I was just like, can't be here. Did you, so did you, the place I, where you graduated from? Is not where I went my freshman year of oh. college. I went to, yeah. So I was at Western Kentucky my freshman year. Oh, the Hilltoppers. I don't really care to name them. And then <laughs> I went to the University of Kentucky I see. after that. I see. So. Cool. Well, okay. Great. Well, not great, but yes. that gives me a little bit more clarification. Because yeah. when you said he was a football player, I was like, oh, well, you know, SEC and like. No, you know. surprisingly not the SEC. Right. It's like a Division two school that's like... Right. It shouldn't have been that big of a deal. He wasn't... I mean, he wasn't great. Right. He's not great now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> don't think he plays... In, like, he doesn't play in the NFL as, as I'm aware of. So yeah. I'm like, it wouldn't have hurt the university that much. Right. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's stupid. And by stupid, I mean totally and horribly immoral. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you highlighted on um, is that he he was in the back corner of the class, and then he moved mm-hmm. so that he could be close to you. Yeah. And, you know, that's power and control. 
Yeah. Right? Oh, he knew he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, from not only an educator's point okay. of view, but also as somebody who, you know, had it happen to them? Yeah. Well, I think as someone that had it happen, I struggled for a long time on whether or not I wanted to take it to the police. Mm-hmm. I had text messages that were like, I'm so sorry I did that to you. Um, I thought you wouldn't care. Like, we, I thought you were into me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, thought you knew. But I had these text messages of basically him saying, I shouldn't have done that while you were drunk. Right. Thank you. Yes, you shouldn't have, but you did. It's a right. little too late for you to think. Like, And probably for three years after that, he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, will you just accept my apology? And he would add me on, like, social media. Damn. And I would block him. He would make new ones. Um, so for me, for a long time, I felt like he wanted, he just wanted that control. Yeah. And for me, especially within the first year, I like went back and forth. Like, do I want to tell the police? Do I want to not tell the police? And for me, I was like, he's my friend, but he's not, he's Mm -hmm. like, he's not my friend, but we spent so much time leading up to that point together, lunch together, dinner together. We'd go out together. He was my DD. Like we spent so much time together that I was like, do I want to mess up my friend's life? Yeah. He messed up my life, yeah. but do I want to do that to right. him? Um, so I think for a long time I was kind of in stuck in this control wheel because I was like, I let him control whether or not I reported him or not because I was like, I can't do that to my friend. Right. What an awful person I would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so also I had this kind of like weird protective factor over him because I didn't want him to get in trouble. Right. Which is bizarre. And now I'm like, why did I, why was I like that? But I know it's because of, of the power that he just had um, over me in that moment. Mm-hmm. He took something from me that I couldn't get back. Right. Um, and even as an educator, we see it all the time. Um, sexual assault, domestic violence, it's people want to say that it's about getting sex or being angry. It's not. It's about having power over someone else, whether it's because you don't feel you have the power or you just want power over people. It's because of the power and you want control over a situation. It's not just, oh, he just wanted to have sex with her. It's it's the power of, oh, she's passed out or, oh, I can do whatever I want um, because I'm a man. Right. And that that's something that, oh, my God, that's something that I just see all the time. <sighs> That size, how I feel. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, but you're so right. Where it's also this speaking from a sexual assault standpoint, not necessarily a domestic violence standpoint. It's this: I need my needs met, and you can do that, mm-hmm. whether or not you're drunk or passed out or saying no or whatever. Yeah. And your needs don't matter. Yeah. My needs do matter. Yeah. Right. There's, like, this, like, selfishness aspect. I mean, there's just... Yes. We could talk about this literally forever. Yes, we could because it's... it's. Uh, I think it's so true with sexual assault, though, that it's just, like, no... They don't care about anyone else around them. Correct. They care about themselves and what's going to make them feel good. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, in domestic violence, you see uh, as, like, one of the high-risk indicators for... Uh, you know, killing for murder for mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of level of intensity, yeah. right? Is sexual assault, mm-hmm. and so you see it go from you know 
physical, financial, you know, minimizing, denying, blaming, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Go from that to, you know, you are so worthless and I am so powerful. Yeah. Now I'm going to completely dehumanize you mm-hmm. sexually. Yeah. yeah. And then you could, you know, you can add in, you know, drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing. And that just only makes it worse. Yeah. It doesn't. Doesn't cause it. Right. It just escalates it. It does make it worse. Um, it one well, and if it's with sexual assault, usually drugs or alcohol makes it easier. Mm-hmm. If the person is intoxicated, there's less resistance. Can you talk about how? Because I'm sure that you get this a lot. People will say, "Why well, was well? He was really drunk, mm-hmm. or you know, he was just high out of his mind, right. on heroin." He's not going to do that when he's, I just get him to, got to get him to stop drinking or I got to get him right. to stop heroin, which is not the right mentality. Right. But that's also kind of the lies that we've been fed. Right. I always find it interesting when, um, especially sexual assaults happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was drunk. That's what she gets. <sighs> but then if he was drunk, it's like, oh, well, he's he wouldn't have done that sober. Right. Or... He only did it because he's drunk. Like, it's like, it's okay that he was drinking. Mm-hmm. But she she just got, she she deserved because she shouldn't have been drunk. Um, so I always find that, like, an interesting dynamic that... Well, have you heard the song Drunk Girl by Chris Jansen? No. So it's a country song. Yes, Take a Drunk Girl Home. Yes. That song? Yes. That song is really weird for me. Okay. At first, I didn't under, I didn't know what was happening when I first heard that <laughs> okay. song. And then I was like, okay, that's a little better. I, it's a little better. I hear you on that. But I, I even wrote an article on Funky Feminist about it where I, where I was like, okay, so the, the I think that the lyric is, uh, you know, the difference between a boy and a man when you take a drunk girl Oh, home. see, I don't know the whole, like, song. I oh, just see, that's, know. like, really the only snippet that I've paid okay. attention to. But I'm like, oh, and then, you know, there's, at some point, you know, it's like you, you just take her home, you put her keys on the counter, you tuck her in the bed, and you leave. Right. So then I'm like, so if you're a boy in this situation, what do you do? What are you doing? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I know one of the things that you could possibly be doing. And that's another boys will be boys situation. Yes. And I'm, and you know, that's one of, that's one of our more commented on articles. Okay. I would say it's our most read because we've got one article that like. Yeah, like was on like Reddit subreddits and everything, and so that one like kind of got really boosted up. But it was like, but we get people who leave these angry comments on the drunk girl home, and and they're like, well, you know, I see it as people are just maturing, and um, even if they did do something like sexually violating, then like they learned about it later, and that's okay. And I'm like, if you'll sexually (sighs) assault someone at the age of eighteen, you'll probably do it again when you're thirty. It doesn't matter, right? And, you know, there are, I have to attribute and say, there are people People. that rectify their behavior and talk about it and say, I fucked up. I fucked up big time. Right. Like, have you heard of that woman who... But you have to take ownership. Like... Yes. If if you're not willing to take ownership of what you've done in the past, if you're just like, oh, I'm different. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, no, I need you to take ownership of what you've done and tell me how you're different. Right. You can't just say it and Mm -hmm. everyone think that, like, oh, okay. That's what I say. You're right. About if Joe Biden gets to be the presidential nominee, because uh, you know he has the "It's on us" campaign. Mm-hmm. He's very active in the sexual yeah. assault realm. 
he was also one of the senators that skewered Anita Hill. And so my own, if he ever came to Nashville, because they always come to Belmont for some reason. Right. But they, I want to be there because I want to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, tell me what what changed because you were a monster in 1993 right. and you were right. not a monster now. And I'm fine with people coming, you know, yeah. changing changing their views. views. Yeah, they learn and they educate themselves. But, but I need you, you also, to own it. You also want to have an answer to that question. That's fair. And I need him to say, yeah, I was wrong. I'm kind of all in for Kamala Harris. Dude, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Kamala, please. I would love a Kamala and like Cory Booker like joint like mm-hmm. uh, person of color ticket. That would be beautiful. Yes. But I think people would literally lose their mind over so, a black woman president. Oh, Yes. Well, I I think, especially totally off topic, I think part of the reason that Donald Trump won is because we had a black male president and everyone was like, oh, no, we cannot have a woman. Mm -hmm. We need a white man back in power. We cannot do this. Right. Um, I agree with you. I think having a black loved love Obama. But I think come back, Barack. Right, I'm like oh, Michelle. I'll take Michelle. Yeah, I'm reading her book right now, and I'm oh, just becoming like, yes, amazing. I just love her so much. Literally, ten out of ten would die for her. Yes, if she's somebody... she's coming to Nashville. I know she's gonna do the thing at the Ryman, and I didn't get tickets. Those things sold out in like one second, though, and I was really upset about it. <laughs> yeah, but see, I think you can stand outside the the Ryman. Might do that. I mean, I know it's gonna be like cold outside, but... like is there a way? Like I'll just I don't know. Yeah, I would just love to hear her. And she's so cool. Yeah. I just, yeah. But I, I think that you're right. I think that we have Donald Trump because we had Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And I also think that we would have had worse. No fault to Obama. Right. People are racist. White white men and white women are racist. Correct. And they didn't want another that white woman. God didn't want her. But definitely didn't want anyone that spoke up for black people. So yeah. I think that's how we got Donald Trump. I know. Oh God. <laughs> um, but Don't I, even want to start talking about I know, him. I know, because then I'm because then I get down this depressing like sad hole. But and I can't stop. I can't I get stop. So angry. I get so angry about it, and I mean that's part of the reason why I had to like turn off. Like my C, I used to have CNN alerts come mm-hmm. through my phone. I had to turn all my alerts off too. I can't do it. I can't do it. And especially because we deal with sadness all day, every day. And yes. then I don't want to see more sadness. Right. Right. Anyways. Yes. But, you know, I, I've talked on a couple episodes at this point about Donald Trump, you know, and how, you know, grabbing women by the pussy, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so to have somebody who emboldens this kind of behavior yeah. is not good. I think it makes our work more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, you know, obviously there's also the Me Too movement that we can look mm-hmm. at in a second, but do you think that we have Donald Trump as somebody who emboldens this behavior so it makes it harder for people to come forward? Yes, absolutely. And but then with the Me Too movement, I think it empowers people to come forward. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason that I was comfortable sharing my story uh, was because of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet Tarana Burke. Oh, you did? In August. Oh, what an icon. And I just was, I just went up to her and I was like, I just want to thank you so much for creating such an inclusive space. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it had been kind of taken over by white women. Yeah. Uh, rich white women. Yeah. Um, 
and I like to see it in the direction where it's kind of, kind of going back to yeah uh, women of color. I love it. I love it yeah. so much because that's the thing that I also have issues with when people say, you know, I'm always here to be inclusive and whatever. Always nervous that I'm like feeding into white white right. feminism. Yeah, but you know, it it makes me so sad to see other people either excluding somebody or excluding them on purpose or right. knowing that what they're doing is exclusionary. Right. But they like to do it anyway, so they don't ameliorate that behavior. Mm-hmm. I always, I'm very cautious of that too, so I always try to check myself um, anytime I'm doing anything. Because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to feed into the white feminism. That's right. not what I want to feed into. Um, I want to be inclusive. Um, so just trying to navigate that. It's like, it's hard, but it's just like, it has to be done. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we have to make sure that we are inclusive of people, especially because the femi- the movement of feminism has never been inclusive right ever um we've always left women of color um kind of behind yeah and i feel like that's something that we definitely need to change definitely which one of the things when we were at our training last week that make space take space Mm -hmm. love that because i'm like that's what white women need to do yes they need to make space so that women of color can take the space yeah yeah. So here for that. That was amazing. Because we do. We have to take a step back. And and I hope, you know, that other people, and I think maybe it's people will follow suit. And I, I think, you know, I'm so proud of, like, the, the little uh, like Gen Zers who are, like, killing the game with, like, you know, the Me Too movement, with gun control reform, yes. with, like, all these things. And I'm like, I hope that that generation when they get to be in their upper 20s, 30s, 40s, that they keep that same passion. Yeah. I know that it's not necessarily going to happen, but I hope also so like, too. please, please, because we right. need you. Right. And I also think that's something important is highlighting the youth, mm-hmm. giving them space. Um, they're, I, I honestly feel that youth are going to be the ones that make the change. Yeah. Like they're going to see, they're going to see a change before we do. Oh yeah. Um, and I think they're ones that can actually be a part of it. So I'm hoping that we can continue to put them in front too. Mm-hmm. And just kind of let them lead the way. Right. Because our passion is, I'm like, I wish I was like that right? in high school. Why was I not like that in high school? Right. Probably because I was raised in an all-white community. <laughs> yeah, no, like I uh, I didn't go to school as a Jewish person until I went to college. I didn't know a Jewish person until I went to college. And on top of Same. that. Yeah. And on top of that. We had, like, two black kids in our whole school. Same. I think we might have had six, but (laughs) relatively none. None. We had, like, four kids who were from the country India. I always have to clarify that because people down here say Indians for Native Americans. Right. Even though it's still, like, a racial slur. Right, absolutely. Holdover from the idiot Christopher Columbus who didn't know where he landed. Yes. Anyways. But I didn't know, like, and I thought I was living in, like, a liberal space Right. Oh, I don't think I've ever thought that. I knew I was living in conservative America, but in terms of, like, the right. household I was raised okay. in and all okay. that kind of stuff. fair. Yes. Liberal space. My parents had the news on all the time. We talked about the news. We talked about election cycles. We talked mm-hmm. about all the things. My dad was a criminal defense attorney for right. 22 years, so we would go to the jails all the time. I wish I would have had that exposure. Like, it just wasn't... It's super depressing. Right. Well, in the sense of just, like, learning more, like... 
knowing more knowledge about the news. Yeah. I didn't watch the news. Mm. Not until I was in college, and then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> my entire hometown is racist. Yeah. That's, like, that's how I felt. Up. And it's not all of them. It isn't. But it's very especially in the state of Kentucky, it's very interesting. We have University of Kentucky basketball. Mm -hmm. Love them, but don't like black people. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're all black. They're all black. They're all black. And it's still Calipari, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a white guy. And there's this whole thing about, like, athletes as slaves, which I'm totally on board with as a former athlete, even though it was like, I played golf. Right. But, like, it was still like, you don't get paid, you spend all this money in time and then you are starving yeah anyways and then that Kentucky basketball team yeah but I always find it interesting I'm like everyone loves them but they're also racist yeah how does that work yeah how does that work that you don't like black people but you love those black people doesn't there was a county in Tennessee up until I want to say like 2008 or 9 that had a sign that said, you know, like, if you're black, don't. It's, like, not safe for you here. The end. That's the whole story. It's, like, that's how so horrifying terrible, is that? Though. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. We live in a, we live, we live in a terrible place. We, yeah. A good place, because it's, you know, Nashville is working on itself. Right. But also. Yeah. The South has some work. I know other parts of the country have work to do, too, but... Well, like, it was uh, James Baldwin who said that uh, racism isn't just a Southern problem, it's an American problem. Right. Absolutely. Totally. Well, we've talked about so many things, and I feel like we could just keep talking for hours and hours and hours and hours. But is there anything that we didn't talk about that you either wanted to talk about or we, like, segued too quickly to something else you'd like to add to that? I think so. I think we've... Got pretty much everything. Cool beans. Uh, so remember to ask for consent. Yeah, (laughs) all the time. Right. Consent is not something that you give once and it just lasts forever. Right. It can change at any moment. (laughs) So keep asking. (laughs) If people, uh, you know, listening to, to this podcast wanted to continue this conversation with you, yeah, how could they find you? Um. They could follow me on Twitter at Emily Brooke underscore XO or on Instagram at Emily's Worth or my email, Emily B as in boy, Kessinger, K-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R at gmail.com. Cool. Well, and I will also link all of that um, in the show notes so you guys don't have to look very far. You can literally just click it. Emily's amazing. I'm sure that even if you want to just talk about Harry Potter. She'd be down to talk yes, Harry Potter. Yes, down to talk Harry Potter. Yeah. Emily, thank you so much thank for being for a guest on Funky Feminist, the podcast. Yes, I'm so excited. This was, I love all of my sessions, but it's it's rare that I'm not checking the time constantly. Mm-hmm. And I checked the time one time and it said like an, we were already like an hour and six minutes in and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I have to get this together. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Funky Feminist, the podcast. My name is Landon Funk, and I'm the Funky Feminist. If you like what you heard, please like or leave a comment on whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to. We want to hear from you in order to make this podcast the absolute best podcast you listen to. 
Each week, Funky Feminist podcast will have a new episode on Mondays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to support us and the podcast, you can visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash funkyfeminist and become a producer of the show. Producers will be mentioned by name at the start and end of each episode, get exclusive Funky Feminist merch, and shoutouts on our social media. Funky Feminist, the podcast, is sponsored by Thinks. They are washable, reusable undies, absorb your period, and are a more sustainable solution than single-use disposable products. Depending on your flow, light, medium, heavy, Thinks can replace pads and tampons or be worn with tampons and cups for extra protection. They're like regular underwear, but so much better, and trust me on this. I wear Thinks almost every single day. I use them as regular underwear because I'm a little bit dischargy and when I'm on my period, and they have quite literally changed my life. Get your pair of Thinks now. Go to www.shethinks.com. At checkout, don't forget to add your $10 discount code FUNKY, F-U-N-K-Y. Funky Feminist, the podcast, was created by Landon Funk, edited by Landon Funk, and has original music by DNTST.